My Eagle enthusiasts, it's Fairway Rolling, presented by FanDuel. Major season is here, and you can get in on all the long drives, big putts, and major moments with FanDuel. Check out live PGA Tour bets like longest drive, round leaders, matchups, birdie or better, and more. Plus, track every shot in the app and watch select par three holes while you place your bets. Download the app today and bet with FanDuel, the official betting operator of the PGA Tour. Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. You must be 21 years old or older and present in select states. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts from superchargers and brakes to exhaust kits and beyond, eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yo, 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 my par-saving pals. This week's Fairway Rolling brought to us, as always, by our outstanding friends at Callaway Golf. Makers of the Odyssey putters. Odyssey already number one by far in worldwide putter usage and worldwide putter wins in 2020. This week, Odyssey won the putter counts at the Arnold Palmer Invitational and at the Cutter Masters at Bay Hill, the Odyssey Toulon Stroke Lab Las Vegas, and the Odyssey Triple Track 10 putters helped lead the way. The number one putter on the PGA Tour so far in 2020 and the number one putter on every major tour as well. Go check out the Odyssey Triple Track 10 and the Odyssey Toulon Stroke Lab Las Vegas at CallawayGolf.com. Hello, friends, and welcome to this golf podcast, unlike any other. Yeah, we've done it. Hello, my birdie buddies, my par saving pals, my eagle enthusiasts. Welcome to a Players' Championship edition of Fairway Rolling, brought to you by Callaway Golf. This podcast is part of the Rigger Podcast Network. I am your starter. Joe House, what a show this week we have on board. It's not quite, we don't use the big M word to talk about the players, but the Players' Championship is incredibly deep, incredibly strong, the deepest and strongest field of the year. And so we go deep and we go strong here at Fairway Rolling on the podcast this week. Matt Wallace, 
his very first year. We're talking to a PGA professional. He earned his card. He's playing on the PGA Tour in 2020. Four wins already on the European Tour. Matt Wallace is on the ground at the players, has some observations for us about how TPC Sawgrass may be playing. And of course, our favorite gambling analyst, our picks guru, we're talking about DFS, we're talking about uh, fantasy, we're talking about allocating some capital with Pat Mayo, the Pat Mayo experience. My friends, the first T is open. We're going to walk over. Pat Mayo and I are a twosome. Let's go ahead and put a peg in the ground with Pat Mayo. All right, Bernie Buddies, now on the tee, a beloved friend of the show, the host of the wildly popular Pat Mayo Experience DraftKings contributor, and just recognized by the industry as the sports gambling analyst of the year, Pat Mayo. Did I get it right? You got it right. You see... When the good gamblers and the good sports bettors, they don't need accolades. They have money. When you're me and you give out lousy picks, they got to give you something <laughs> to keep you going. Oh, that that, that would uh, that means that I'm eligible then uh, for, for this award. But maybe maybe next year, I have a whole year's worth of bad picks to give out to folks. Uh, welcome. I'm very happy to have you this uh, moment on the eve of the strongest and deepest field of the season. We're not going to use the M word because it's stupid, but this is a really prominent event at a historic venue with an incredible field. So I need a, a, a guy like you to help sort all this out. Well, you catch me at a good moment. I hadn't hit a winner in 2020 because it's me. So I flew to Florida and I was going to go to the Honda Classic, but I just ended up getting burned and hung over. So I just went back to my Airbnb and watched it on TV instead after I played golf. But then I hit Sungjae and then I hit Hatton. I'm undefeated in Florida. And I really hope to keep that going. But I checked my notes from the past two years for how I've done at the Players' Championships. Uh, and it's not great. I think I've lost every cent I've invested in this stupid tournament. It is so random that it really kills me. Like you need to take chances this week. Like I know Rory won last year, but look at the rest of that leaderboard. It was a bunch of randoms. And you know, there, there, this is the, the, the challenge of the, the depth of field. There is no one particular skill set that rises to the top. I mean, I know what the analytics suggest strokes gained approach, bogey avoidance. Those are two, prominent um analytic tools that will will point to but the profile that we have short hitters that have won at this venue we have long hitters that have won at this venue we have guys that have arrived in very good form who have won and we've had a couple guys who showed up what in in a, in a in terms of form felt like kind of out of nowhere i mean see woo being the the single biggest example of this right yeah, and that was probably, I mean, that's the single biggest bet that I've ever hit with Siwoo to win the players. And I, of course, was not on it beforehand. But I use a little site called fantasynational.com. We have a live leaderboard over there. And like you looked at it that day after two rounds, I think he was sitting like T9 or T11 or something like that. But off the tee 
and through approach, he was absolutely destroying everyone in the field. He couldn't make a five foot putt yet. He was sitting there like three under and that year it was super difficult. Uh, when he ended up beating Poulter and winning by three, it was one of the highest scores. I think it was minus 10 or minus 11 that year that won at Sawgrass, but just saying like, you know what, if he just puts neutral and stops losing, like, two shots per round on the greens. He's going to run away with this. And because he was Siwoo Kim, he had only won the Wyndham championship up to that point. He was getting zero credit from the book. So they were hanging like a 275 to one number on him after two rounds, which was just glorious. But you're absolutely right. The one thing that does track year over year over year, and it could be very tournament dependent and how the players are playing at that time, but driving accuracy really rates out and jumps off the map here over everywhere else like this and the Honda Classic at PGA National really only because if you miss the fairway you're probably in the water and then you have real troubles like if you can just keep it one or two balls are going to the water that all happens to almost everybody but once you start spraying it off the tee a little bit like the, the big Jordan Spieth concern like can, can this guy hit a fairway the answer is probably no and then when you look at driving accuracy it could be a misleading stat because you'll have guys like Brooks or Rory or Dustin Johnson. Yeah, they don't hit as many fairways, but at a lot of tournaments where they're hitting driver, they don't need to hit fairways. They can just bomb it out and gouge the course as much as they want. But we saw it with Rory last year and we saw it with Rom. They scale back a little bit. They only use driver sparingly. And it was a lot like the Woodland thing at the U.S. Open last year with Pebble being such a short course. He didn't need to hit driver. He hit three wood. And when these guys decrease from their driver to three wood or hit an iron off the tee, their accuracy goes through the roof. So just looking at driving accuracy as a stat overall, I think is going to be really misleading because then you'd be betting like Ryan Armour to win. and You, you probably don't want to do that. <laughs> well, maybe not. No disrespect to Ryan. Who knows? Uh, we've had some randoms win. I want to talk some names, but before, let's just go ahead and give props to the depth of this field. And this is um, straight out of the write-up that you did for DraftKings. 110 of the 144 players with at least one PGA Tour win. That's an incredible stat. 144 players in this field. 110 of them have one on tour. We have all of the top 75 in the world, except for Lee Westwood and Tiger Woods. And then we have a couple question marks in the form of, of Jason Day and Frankie Molinari. Tiger and, and Lee are the only guys who've pulled out. Lee pulled out. Why? Why is he not playing this week? So there is, I, I must be like Britain's Kentucky Derby. I don't know exactly what it is, but where Lee got into this tournament because he won in Abu Dhabi earlier this year and it vaulted them into the top 50 of the world. He wasn't qualified for the Players' Championship. So when he picked his schedule, he was like, oh, I'll play Honda and I will play API. And then you probably won't see me till the Masters because he got in based on a performances in the majors last year. Uh, and then all he's like, I go to this horse racing thing every single year. I'm going to it. And then all of a sudden he qualifies for the players. He's like, screw it. Still going to the horse racing. Like Lee Westwood kind of rules because Shane Lowry is like really big into this too. And he even admitted this week that like he's going to have his phone, like his caddy is going to have his phone on the course so he can watch the races while he's playing. <laughs> That's incredible. Why Lee Westwood, king of the world. What a boss. I want to go, I have uh, two or three or 10 beers with that guy at some point. That's on my bucket list. Uh, the Joe House bucket list is, you know, a dozen pints with Lee Westwood. What a, what a fella. The Tiger thing is terrifying. I, I hope he plays the Masters. Well, there we are. So let's do it. This is this week in Tiger Woods. Tiger, Tiger, Tiger Woods. Woo! 
we are concerned. Now, I will say this. You expressed concern in your, in the write-up linking the the you know the fact that he's you took off the the palmer he took off the palmer last year also um but you know then did show up so i think i'm as a glass half full kind of guy just going to accept what he and his team are saying which is it's prudent to let the back get the rest that it needs. It's March the 10th today as we tape this. The Masters is is a full, full four weeks away. Whatever discomfort he's experiencing, and so far it seems discomfort. Nobody said anything about a structural issue that, um, you know, muscles, that ought to be enough time for muscles to recover. And hopefully amongst those four weeks, we will see him in at least one event, right? The one event that you would expect to see him in just based on you know, the, the quality of field, like if all of a sudden he shows up to Valspar next week, it's like, oh, okay, that's fine then. Like he, he's going to be good. And I would love that because Tiger could win Valspar pretty, I don't want to say pretty easily, but he has the perfect game for it. That's really where he kind of made his bones two years ago. It's like, oh, this is a course he's never played, pops up, and he was there till the very end when Paul Casey ended up winning, made a surge on Sunday. But the reason I'm, I'm concerned that he missed Bay Hills, because last year, yeah, he skipped it, but he played in Mexico two weeks before that. So we had played from the Genesis right. into Mexico. Then we didn't see him till the players this time. He just played the Genesis dude. Couldn't putt for four days, but still made the cut played like, okay. Like there was nothing coming out of that where it was like, Oh yeah. T- Tiger can't walk. Uh, and now this time like match play seems like the next logical move for him. But as uh, my good friend, Jeff Feinberg pointed out that that could be seven rounds of golf. Uh, if you go all the way to the end, like if he wants to go and get, you know, lose three matches in the pod, just to work some stuff out, get on the course. Like I- I'd still be good with that. I'd just be happy to see him show up. But if he plays well, that- that's like bad news for him. He can't play that much golf. I don't know. Maybe he can. I- and-, and especially you, you know, if you're winning, if you, if you blow guys out, you only have to play 14 or 15 holes. It's not like he's got to grind all 18 i mean the counter is true as well they could end up being 19 hole 20 hole matches and it could be an enormous grind i do think and and i i haven't looked yet um to do the research but just um eye wise from the eye test it does seem to me um that the shot values at austin country club are comparable in a in a way they have a loose correlation to what we see at uh, augusta so if he showed up there that would make sense to me also do you am i right or am i full of 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 beans on the idea that austin country club bears some kind of definitely in terms of green speeds i mean the the greens are incredible um but is there any correlation I think the greens are really what we get down to. They're fast bent greens, uh, not quite as fast and quite as pure as you're going to see at Augusta, but I think that does mimic that. And when you go back and look at the people, since it's moved to Austin country club, like it's all guys. I mean, Kisner won last year and he's not like a great, Augusta performers, even though he's from the area, but like Bubba wins and DJ wins and Rom plays really well. Like it's, it's a lot of bombers and a lot of guys that play well at Augusta. So yeah, I, I think there is a correlation much, much more than like Houston used to be when it was the week before. Right. So maybe that is a target uh, for Tiger. Well, let's just end it there. We're rooting for Tiger. Hopefully he comes back. The glutes are activated. Everything about the, his hip complex, the low back, all of it is in fine form and he's ready to go out and, and kick ass because we need uh, the defending champion at the Masters. 
Agreed. I, I, it would be so odd to not have him there. And he would be like around because he'd have to give the jacket to someone unless he like legit couldn't walk. But I, I don't know if I want to watch. I mean, I will watch the Masters if Tiger isn't there. That, that, that's me. But I, I just for the sake of golf, because like, there's a big thing this week at the players where they're introducing the PGA Live feature where you can watch every player on every hole no matter who, which player it is, and you can watch whatever player you want. That This is what the Masters put in place last year. Uh, and if this goes really well, like people are going to be fired up to watch the Masters. And you need Tiger there to get those ratings and introduce these products to people because it all goes hand in hand. This is all sports gambling. This is all this is right now. They want to make live betting more accessible to everyone. And it's hard to live bet when you're trying to bet on people you can't actually watch. I absolutely, I'm so glad that you you made this point because guys like you and me that have been, and well, actually I should never put myself in your class in terms of this. I've gambled a ton on golf over the past 10 years and and lost more than I've won, but you're actually been a, a, a genuine media person out there giving out your picks publicly. I've only been doing it for a handful of years. So so pardon me. I'm sorry to have, have put myself in your category. I am definitely not the sports gambling analyst of 2020 under anybody's uh, framework. <laughs> um, but like we, we as, as huge devotees that the recognize the opportunity for ga- golf gambling is incredible. And any person that, that has an inclination anyway to gamble on, on sports just needs to get a little taste of all the opportunities that are out there, the incredible menu that you can create, the head-to-heads, the odds to perform inside a top 20, a top 10, a top 5, the the outright win odds, which are stupid, until the, fi- the United States, some books here, finally bring in the each-way bet because, you know, that that's, that's really the only way for that to be sensible. Um, and then, you know, the the live experience of watching golf. No sport is better because of the amount of time it takes the guys to play a hole. As they approach a hole, you have two guys that might be in the lead or just off and the ability to put them up head to head and bet on the outcome of how they play that hole is so delicious, so rich. I'm so excited about it. What am I missing here? Nothing. It just needs to get out there to the people. And I think that what the Players' Championship is trying to create here is something that I I think the very first time I came on Fairway Rolling that I talked about this. Like, (laughs) there's a red zone for fantasy football. There should be a green zone for fantasy golf and betting on golf. And you should be like, there should be one main channel. I mean, I'm offering myself to be, is it the Scott Hansen, Chris Hansen? Chris Hansen's like the catch a predator guy, Scott Hansen of the golf world. Yeah. You you can watch me as I talk through everyone and make it to the PGA already has a partnership with DraftKings Uh, that works hand in hand. I can go look at who the highest owned guys are in a tournament. If there's on the cut line, Hey, I'll just do a double box and I'll talk over it. We can go live and see those guys. But if you have eight head to heads that you're playing, and they're either in the same group or a different group, why don't you just eight-box your screen like you can on MLB TV and just have those guys up there and sweat along with it? Like, that's the biggest problem. And it really got hammered over the head at Riviera when the CBS's coverage was outright bad on Sunday. Like, I had Joel Damon. I picked him up at 90-1 to 1 
on Sunday morning. And he was in second place until I believe he bogeyed 18. But if he had birdied 18, uh, he would have put a lot of pressure on Adam Scott. And I didn't see a sh- I didn't see him on TV until Adam Scott almost hit him on a drive while he was on the 16th fairway. Like that's outrageous. It was really, I, I feel like an inflection point. Now I can't tell whether CBS will onboard. It was a, an enormous amount of criticism from deep fans from from golf twitter um and and a lot of it did actually trickle into like the the golf media picked up on you know a couple of days worth of the criticism of CBS and and Frank Nabilo actually got on twitter and tried to take on some of the criticism so there there was a genuine kind of outrage moment and <laughs> the no laying up guys kind of immediately a couple of days after uh, that broadcast, they had their own podcast where they properly lambasted the um, the broadcast, but then had um, Costas on. Peter Costas came on and Costas basically confessed that CBS doesn't give a shit about the, the viewers. All, all it cares about is the relationship with the tour and serving the tour. And that came through loud and clear in that broadcast. Now, we don't have CBS showing golf again until the masters and you know the masters they do impeccably well and the combination of what the masters itself does like the ability to pull up on either a separate television or um, your computer and have a sidecar way of consuming the masters a fully customized fully curated master's experience that you have on simultaneous with the main broadcast, that's absolutely glorious. And so CBS will be the benefit of like a a, a redemption. But as the season progresses, we'll see whether or not they onboard any of that criticism um, that was properly levied on them from uh, the the disaster that was Riviera. The fact that it took them an hour some plus to show Harold Varner uh, duffing the tee shot on 10 is an atrocity and, you know, is unforgivable. And, you know, I, it was a great, 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 very rich kind of uh, opportunity to criticize the stupid coverage gap thing that they experienced where Rory and Kuchar both um, had disastrous uh, experiences on the fifth hole at Riviera. Why? And nobody could see it because it was, you know, during the time that CBS was setting up it's uh, graphics and whatnot. So um, we'll see whether or not there's any improvement over the course of the year. But to get to the point that you just made, we are right on the brink of this curated, personalized experience, the ability to, to um, you know, drive the, the content, the golf content that you want. And I will say this about you as the host of the Green Zone. I want I'm willing to to allow you to have that job, but I insist that there be a Friday afternoon cut sweat show. That's that's my you have to do a cut sweat show if you're going to do the green zone. Well, that is the basis of the green zone. Now, I am doing a cut sweat show this week for the players. So if people are out there and they want to they're watching at home or they're watching at work, they got no one else to talk about it with it. I'm going to be in studio. I'm going to be watching it. And if I have access to the PGA live, I can bring up like the cut sweat this time around. If this app actually works, 
that I, I can keep an eye on everyone. I can update you on the cut line as we go. So DraftKings YouTube channel, facebook.com slash the PME at the PME on Twitter. You can watch it on Periscope and stream it through there. It's a nice side piece to actually watching the content. And you know, they're on the broadcast, they're really bad at getting the cut line right. Like they just assume that whatever the cut currently is, is what the cut is going to be. So it makes no sense what they're talking about. But what you just articulated, I think is really smart. But the big thing with CBS is they can keep doing what they're doing. That doesn't matter. And everyone in golf Twitter or everyone who bets on golf or plays on DraftKings and is actually sweating certain players and not Tiger and not Rory. They are sweating like this week. I'm going to be sweating Mark Hubbard. Uh, I'm going to shout out to your boy, Nate, but I'm going to be sweating Jimmy Walker and Jason Duffner because you know they're the back end of my DraftKings lineup. I have top 20 bets on them this week. I want to make sure that they make the cut and I'm invested in enough because my money is in it that I actually want to see how they do in real time. I don't want to log on to the PGA Tour app and have it tell me what happened 20 minutes after it actually happened. And it could be wrong because it's wrong half the time. So they have to get this right. And I worry that if they don't get it right, this could be the end of actually trying to do this. Uh, but apparently they brought in the IBM team that produced the Masters app last year, which was just tremendous. Uh, it wasn't live, but it was 30 seconds after the fact. You could look up any player on the course and actually see video of what they hit. And if they can actually do this in real time, it's going to be quite an achievement. And then CBS doesn't have to worry about it because all the people complaining about the broadcast are the people that just want to watch it online anyway. Like my dad isn't complaining that CBS isn't showing every shot. He doesn't know who Joel Damon is. He doesn't care. He's like, oh, Rory's in the lead. Rory's in it. Adam Scott's in it. Perfect. I just want to see those two guys. And that is their audience. But there's this entirely different audience. If they're going to service the tour, Gambling is a real thing to the tour right now. And all these leagues, I mean, Adam Silver was ahead of it more than anyone to embrace sports gambling just because this is how the players make more money. This is how the tour makes more money. Like how, how long is it going to be? And I've pitched this for a long time. I, the bosses at DraftKings don't seem to want it, but you know, that goofy Stableford scoring uh, that whatever the crossover event is for, I think it's WGC St. Jude or Memphis or whatever. I think it's called the Barracuda classic in Reno. They do Stableford. Why isn't DraftKings just buy the rights to that? Call it the DraftKings open instead of Stableford scoring. You have to play in DraftKings scoring and it would be like the most interactive tournament of all time. Oh, that's an unbelievable idea. Yeah. Keep, keep pounding that. I'll, I'll join the chorus. If, if we can uh, create some, some, uh, a little bit of critical mass here and get in the ears of, of those folks. Um, the the uh, point that you just made, though, about the growth opportunity. So we already know that the tour is super all over this. They, they announced last week or in the last 10 days their partnership with the Action Network. We had Jason Sobel on the show last week talking about this partnership. They, they're all in, in for a dime, in for a dollar. And it appears that they understand that the most direct way to get at the demo that they crave, which is, uh, you know, young men, 18 to 24, young men, 24 to 36, young men, 36 up to whatever it is, that demo, those folks are going to be entrance into the golf experience by way of their pocketbook, by way of their wallets, by way of making some wagers, having a little skin in the game. And that's what makes golf so much more interesting and exciting. The sleepy broadcast of our parents that you it's a funny point you just made. You're right. Go ahead and keep doing the sleepy broadcast. I'm not going to, I'll have it on in the background with the sound off, 
what I want to watch is my guys, you know, uh, uh, whoever it is for the top 20s, for the head-to-heads that aren't being captured on the mainstream broadcast. And I want to be able to watch it, you know, through the other media that's available. And that's where we're right. We're sitting on, on the, the cusp of it. I don't think that, um, I, I hope, let me say the, 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 the observation you made that if it doesn't go great this week, that they, they won't try it. They have to do this. This is the direction they have to go. And this is the way to, to get people that fit those demos that, that are important. Now, I, I just said, men, I meant, um, young people because young there are lots of young women, new entrants to, to the golf experience, the new uh, community, young women doing DFS, young women doing fantasy, young women. I have, I, 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 you know, I'm pals with, with uh, somebody that, that will spray a little on a top 20 here and there. Um, she's not afraid. So I, I didn't mean to be uh, sexist with this, but you're, you're right. This is where all the innovation resides. It's in this vehicle that we're talking about, Mayo. So, and the growth that you talked about, so you have like, I, the demographics of my show are, you know, not shocking uh, when you look at it. And I talk about sports gambling, golf gambling, MMA gambling, football gambling, college basketball gambling. My demo is basically 24 to 40 single guys uh, who are like college educated and they have a lot of disposable income. I mean, that is basically the golf demographic for younger people. Now, those people don't necessarily play golf, but they like to bet on golf. So the moment that DraftKings introduced the Millionaire Maker, I think in 2015, ratings on Golf Channel for the Thursday and Friday broadcast, just the random one that comes on at like 2 p.m. Eastern time, went up like 30%. And I'm not sure that they figured out why until like very recently. It's because all these people who didn't care about golf came over from a different sport because they like to play DraftKings or they like to bet all of a sudden had a vested interest in watching this. The key now, and I was talking about this with some of my friends over at Golf Digest, that we now need to take the 50 to 75 year old retiree or just someone who's been playing golf forever, like typical rich guy, rich girl kind of thing, who's invested in the country club lifestyle. We now need to teach them gambling and now that gambling has been legalized, I think it's up to 10 states now and like more are coming. And it's very easy to do. You can do it from your phone. Once you teach them what plus 750 means, all of a sudden the dam is broke and that's where all the money is made. Well, that's, I, I, I'm afraid to admit this. I might be uh, a candidate for helping with that because I'm kind of like straddling the, the, the demos here. Um, and, and certainly I, I, you know, the, the the older generation, I mean, you know, I have a per- perfectly good relationship with a lot of folks that hit that demo. So let's start with our dads, Mayo, and see if we can get our dads flipped over. And if, if our dads start sprinkling a little on some some uh, head-to-heads or, or uh, some top 20s, we'll know that we're on our way. What do you think? I think that's really the move. Like when you're when you're at like, are you a member at a club or you just kind of bounce around and play at different places? Uh, you know, I, 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 you know, yeah, sure. Yes. Yeah. So like, I, I mean, I, when I, when I used to be, yeah, but before people copped me rounds to play at places as well, uh, when I was a member at a place, like there'd be the old dudes there and they would be betting on their games. They were looking to bet on things. They just didn't know how to actually bet on golf. Now it's easy. Just tell right. them how to do it. Yes. A hundred percent. All right. Well, so we, we are in violent agreement as always. We're helping the industry innovate. I think we just gave out about six terrific ideas, including the DraftKings 
Stableford event. I'm, I, I can't wait to see that. Let's talk about some names here at this Players Championship. Um, coming into this, there were a, a couple names that um, I feel like we should just go ahead and, and cross off. And, and let's just start with the cross-offs right now. This is going to sound bananas, but we have to cross off Rory, I think, right? Correct. I think so, too. So here's what here's what I'm going to do for the listeners of Fairway Rolling. FantasyNational.com slash PME. You put that in, you get 20% off, and you can go check it out. Get the weekly, and you can really dig into all the stats that are up there. And we have a thing called the Tournament Simulator. And this is really where it comes in key. So Rory... This week, per our simulator, we run the simulation a thousand times, wins this tournament 141 times out of a thousand. And this is where That's the a part lot. that people, it's a lot, but that means his odds at seven to one are value. You're not getting good value. You're not getting bad value. And I don't cow down to our computer overlords. I even think that's high, um, especially because no one wins this tournament in back-to-back years. Right. That's the that's the point. That's why he's a cross off in the history of the Players Championship. No one's ever defended the title. Well, like, do you bet guys that are seven to one? I that's not how I fill out my. I like to bet like three or four guys. If you bet a seven to one guy, like who who else can you really bet? That takes a lot of money to put down on seven to one. Yeah, I don't bet seven to one under any circumstances. My my cut line for wagering for an outright winner is twenty. I don't bet anybody under twenty unless I it's sentimental like. A few times I bet Tiger. Tiger's always under 20 because, you know, that that's the way the books make money. Um, but like if, you know, without some kind of stupid, irrational connection to somebody, I never bet under under 20 to one to win outright. The other thing about Rory, just worth mentioning, he's never won the same event in consecutive years. That's weird to me. Um, and I saw that that was in your write up. Uh, so for Rory, no one's ever defended the players championship title. And Rory's never won the same event in consecutive years, so he's a cross-off. Yeah, and uh, the one thing to really articulate with things trying to get people into sports betting, like you have to think about it in this equivalency. Rory is seven to one to win the Players Championship. We project him at like fourteen percent chance. He's probably somewhere around eleven or ten percent. That is the same odds the Buffalo Bills had to win the AFC East coming into last year. Like you, people don't think of it that way because Rory's the best player. People expect him to win, but his actual chances of her winning are incredibly low. Although the Buffalo Bills turned out to be pretty damn good last year, Mayo. Hey, they were. That was a losing wager, though. It, it, it's it's like when I'm hey, making was, a joke. The, the, the the mighty Bills and my man Josh Allen are fantastic. Look, watch out for them if Brady <laughs> leaves, even if Brady stays. But like, yeah, that's right. It's, it's like. That's the same probability that Rory has to win this tournament. Like, if he comes second, yes. that's no good. <laughs> that's right. You've you've lost your money if he comes in second. That's exactly right. So a couple other names that I want to just go ahead and, and dispense with. No Brooks this week, right? We just cross him off because it's not a major. He's not in form. He shot his highest round ever last week. I, I've been burned before by crossing Brooks off. Like, I, didn't, I, I disrespected Brooks at the Masters last year, and... Um, I have, I had to give a, you know, a, a four figure check to somebody that I'm not going to mention, um, to, to pay for that mistake. Um, this isn't a, a major though. So I feel like we can cross off Brooks. 
I wanted to cross Brooks off too. And then I saw a big 40 to one number sitting next to his name. And now I've seen it go up to 45 to one in places. Like when we talk about win equity, like if Rory has a, an 11% chance of winning this tournament, like if you go back and like look at Brooks and like his actual win rate overall, and it's not like he, you know, he's won in Phoenix before he almost won the Honda last year. He won a WGC last year. We just remember the majors because he says he only cares about majors, but he actually does win other tournaments from time to time. But I mean, how low can he go? Like you look back at his stats and round by round. Yes, he was horrendous in the third round at the API. Patrick Reed shot 80. No one's holding that against Patrick Reed. Ricky Fowler took a nine on a hold. No one's holding that against Ricky in the final round of the API when still everyone was struggling. What did Brooks do? Went and shot under par. He's actually gained T to green in four of his past five rounds. It is his putter that has been letting him down the majority of the time. Now, the ball striking is not where it was or needs to be to win this tournament. But, you know, third week in a row playing, missed the cut at Honda, makes the cut at API. It wouldn't surprise me if he won. And if that number gets juicy enough, like I, I was even considering betting Jason Day at 80 to one, despite the fact he might withdraw after two holes. Like I could do worse than burning my money on Brooks. I think I, I just can't make the decision because I'm with you. He feels like a cross off. I mean, maybe, maybe the thing to do is just, you know, a, a, a quarter or, or a fifth of whatever the allocation that you might make, you know, for wins. If you, if you like play, a unit. If we if we talk about a full unit kind of play on guys that you feel strongly about, you play a fifth of a unit on Brooks just to not feel like an asshole um, if he goes out and and proves us all wrong again. And maybe the same thing is true of Day. I mean, the the fact pattern with Day, he did the same thing last year. He pulled out of the the Palmer uh, last week. He pulled out of it last year, and then came out and and top fived. Uh, at the at the players, or and he's definitely top ten. I don't remember if he's top five or not, but you know he's got the skill. And we saw a ton of Jason Day on Sunday last year. I mean, he was like right there at the players' championship last year. Yeah, he finished eighth, and like he won this tournament in 2015. Like, yeah, him and Adam Scott are just perpetually really good at the players' championship. Both are former winners. I don't know if it's an Aussie thing because like Leishman hasn't been very good, Cam Smith hasn't been very good, but those two in particular have been just lights out at this tournament year after year after year. And even looking at Jason Day, like he has one major. Where was it? Pete Dye course when he won at Whistling Straits. Uh, He has a really good track record on Pete Dye tracks as well. Birdie buddies, we shall be right back with Pat. Quick break. I want to tell you about Mizzen and Maine. Have you ever worn a dress shirt? Well, yes, of course you have. We all have subconsciously we're talking about. It reminds us of a straight jacket. I have good news, Eagle enthusiasts. Mizzen and Maine has made dress shirts better by making dress shirts for men that are actually comfortable. The secret is the fit and the fabric. They are well tailored, so they fit comfortably, and they are made out of performance fabrics, which means they breathe, they stretch, and they Wick away moisture. Best of all, they are machine washable. So no wonder this is the dress shirt of choice for Bill Mickelson. He has even worn these shorts on the tour. You've seen it. He's probably had it on for some fireside with Phil Chats. I mean, man of a true renaissance man. You know he's wearing 
a shirt that breathes and stretches and lets him do his calf maneuverings in a way so as not to get in the way. If a dress shirt can hold up to that level of golf, imagine what it can do in your day-to-day. These shirts are wrinkle-resistant, which makes them great for travel. Ditch the dry cleaner and start wearing a dress shirt that's comfortable. Head on over to Mizzen and Main's website, www.comfortable.af to check out their shirts and get one for yourself. Use code FAIRWAY at checkout to receive $10 off your order. Mizzen and Maine, it's never felt better to look your best. Par Saving Pals also want to tell you about Nobu Los Cabos. Nobu Hotel Los Cabos is the first Nobu Hotel in Mexico. The 200-room property seamlessly blends contemporary Japanese minimalism with locally sourced natural Mexican materials and finishes. The design inspiration comes from the Japanese aesthetic of the Nobu brand. You know it as well as unique elements of Cabo San Lucas. So the Nobu Hotel Los Cabos, perfect fusion of architectural elegance and laid-back luxury guests have access, my eagle enthusiast, to two exclusive golf courses designed by golf legends. Two guys you have heard of, Davis Love Third and Tiger Woods at Diamante Cabo San Lucas. The Dunes course by DL3 was ranked 36 in the world by Golf Magazine in 2017 and the number one course in all of Mexico by Golf Digest in 2016. The hotel features world-renowned dining options, as you would expect, including an oceanfront Nobu restaurant and farm-to-table restaurant Malibu Farm, four infinity pools, four infinity pools, I'm saying, Private swim-up cabanas, private beach cabanas, super cabanas. There's four of those with a full bathroom, day bed, living area, and TV. It's an inside-outside experience. The Essentia Wellness includes over 13,000 square feet of spa space and over 3,000 square feet of full-service gym equipment and an indoor-outdoor yoga and spinning area. Visit Nobu Hotel. LosCabos.com or contact your preferred travel professional. One other name I want to ask you, and I don't have an opinion. I don't know what the answer is. What's wrong with DJ? Nothing really like he his strokes game putting at WGC Mexico was minus 6.2. I'm looking at my database right now. That is the third worst tournament he's ever had on the greens in the past eight years. He lost. Let's see here. 7.1 at the 2013 BMW championship and 6.9. Nice at the Memorial in 2017. Then it was. Then it was Mexico. And in Mexico, he gained over four strokes off the tee and over four strokes tee to green. Like he hasn't been as bad as everyone remembers. Then he was over in Saudi Arabia when he lost to Graham McDowell. He was sticking everything to eight feet on every shot and missing every putt. Well, GMAC was sticking it to 40 feet and making every putt. That's how McDowell beat Dustin Johnson. He was 10th at the Genesis. He probably should have won at Riviera this year. He's had a really terrible back nine. Like he, he had birdie putts on every hole on the front nine, missed them all. It's like, oh, thanks, DJ. Thanks for coming out. But he was 32nd at Pebble. He was 7th at Tournament of Champions, 2nd in Saudi Arabia. Like, we just haven't seen 
a lot of Dustin Johnson. And the only thing that I'm seeing right now, he's 28 to one in some yeah. spots, man, 25 in most places. When was the last time Dustin Johnson was 25 to one at any tournament, let alone like at the masters this year, he's still 12 to one. This is the one out of all the names. So he's not a cross off and I didn't volunteer his name as a, as a cross off. I just was trying to figure out what it is that, that we're missing with him. And, and, and you know, with, if we want to add some other uh, statistical evidence, Backing uh, DJ, good history at this place. He's uh, one, two, three, four. He's fifth in terms of best score to par at the players over the last five years. He's 25 under at the at the players. This is from our boy, Justin Ray. Uh, you know, good, good history and, and pretty good form if he could putt at all. If he just gets, you know, if he's even, he could be negative strokes game putting. He just can't be minus minus five or minus six, right? And that's really been the his issue over the past six months. It's the putting. Like, U.S. Open lost six strokes. Uh, the Tour Championship last year lost five and a half strokes. He bled another three at the BMW Championship. At Pebble, in the two rounds that he actually played at Pebble Beach, he lost two. Like, that's going to be a bit tough to overcome no matter how well you're playing uh, ball striking wise. But even looking at it over the past five years, like he really played very poorly at this tournament at the beginning of his career. He was almost like an insta fade. And then almost like he was at Augusta over time, the more he saw the course, the better that he got. So in terms of overall strokes gained over the last five years, he actually sits sixth in this field in total strokes gained. It's Adam Scott, Rory, Jason Day, Hideki, Webb Simpson, and then Dustin Johnson. And he hasn't missed a cut over that time mm. either. Like you say, like Justin Ray's stat of him being the fifth best two par over that time as well. Like it's just kind of insane. And Dustin's one of those guys that he comes out of nowhere. He wins. And then he just goes on streaks and never stops winning. He wins like three in a row. Like you, even when he won in Mexico a few years ago, like people weren't on him. Not last year. The first time it went to Mexico, everyone's like, oh, he's going to win at Riviera. Then he didn't win at Riviera. And then all of a sudden he just smoked the field at a WGC and then when won the next WGC as well. Like he plays well in these big tournaments. And, you know, this is something that he doesn't have. He has one major. He doesn't have a player's championship. And while we're not using the M word because calling it the fifth major, I think devalues the credibility of this tournament. It makes it seem lesser than it is not. It is lesser than majors, but we don't need to. You know, it's the next best tournament. We can just call it that. It, is, it would be nice to have. And right. It, it's an incredible tournament. The, the The depth of field is unparalleled. It's the it's the deepest field on tour every every single year. It's the it's the deepest field on planet Earth every single year. That's pretty good. You don't need to use the uh, the M word, uh, Mayo. I'm going to suggest that we pause the podcast for one second. We each go off to our respective devices, whatever it is that we use to place bets. And get something in on DJ right now. 27 to 1 is absolutely incredible value. And I I mean that that number in terms of win equity, percent likelihood of 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 winning, that's real value. That's genuine value at, at 27 to 1. That's like a full unit kind of play for me. I, I really love the way that we've talked ourselves into into DJ here. The problem is there's another guy at 25 to 1 I like better. <laughs> okay, so we've sort of covered some, some big names here. Let's go ahead and 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 jump in. Let let let's hear um, you know your your sort of breakdown of the guys that you have circled. Your your how your card is going to look um, this week. So you you just mentioned a guy twenty five to one. Let's hear it. 
So I think Patrick Cantlay is going to win this week for myriad yeah. reasons. He's coming off a deviated septum surgery, which is you know not that big of a deal. And he's another guy. He's weirdly like Tiger. Like, even though he's young, Cantlay was in just a devastating accident like five, six years ago. Like, he was not necessarily a Tiger Woods-esque player coming out of college, but he was a Patrick Rogers type or a Colin Morikawa or a Victor Hovland. Like, he was that level of player. Then he had this injury. We didn't see him for ages. And then he made a comeback at Valspar like three years ago. And since then, he's basically Rory-esque off the tee. Like, Rory... Cantley and Morikawa are essentially the best ball strikers in the world right now. And it's not particularly close. Hideki, you can probably throw into that mix as well. But Cantley has performed over expectation at Pete Dye courses because he goes and he plays the heritage. Uh, and the other one as well, where he, uh, he won at Memorial last year. When I started thinking about it, it's like, who plays well at the players? Who plays well at Memorial? Like, it's a lot of the same guys. Like Ricky's had some nice runs there. Kucher has won there in the past. Obviously, Tiger has ended up winning. And Cantlay has that feather in his cap as well with him. It's like a lot of these top end ball strikers. It's like, can he putt? But the biggest problem with him over the past two years is he had zero short game. Like if he was in a bunker, it was an insta bogey and he and John Rom have so improved there around the green game over the past, like 16 months that it's either this or a major for him this year. And there's a 28 out there on him. Most places have him at 25. Some have him at 20. I'd search for the best number, but I think Patrick Cantlay is going to take it this week. Yeah, well, he he certainly fits the profile for some of the advanced metrics um, that that you've laid out and that some other folks have put out. You know, if you're looking at um, strokes gained approach, which I know um, is is a, a key metric uh, that you've circled. Um, you know, there's a bunch of great names in in the top ten, but he sits sixth right now. And he was second. Uh, before, this is through the Arnold Palmer Invitational. So he's been, this is through the, the 2020 season. Um, Cantley's right, right there. And, and I know how crucial that stat is. Um, and off the tee, I think he ranks pretty high as well, right? Yeah, looking at it right now, I'm sorting by the past 24 rounds that all these players have played. Cantley is fifth in this field in strokes gained approach over that time. He's 13th in ball striking uh, and he's hitting a ton of fairways. The driving hasn't been as good as it once was, at least recently. But the one thing that you have to take with a grain of salt in terms of when you look at strokes gained stats is what are the tournaments that these people are playing in? Like, if you go and look at it, I bet you Lonto Griffin and Sebastian Munoz rate out really well in a lot of these stats. But, you know, Patrick Cantlay is playing the very top end tournaments. He's playing against all the best players and he doesn't play all that often. So the fact that he can do that against those guys, I find is even more impressive. And just even searching back through players, and this is just more anecdotal than anything, but think about all the big names that we've lived with in our lives for the past 15 years who've won this tournament. And this was their breakthrough. You got Ricky, you got Sergio, Stenson, Adam Scott. Like this was their breakthrough victory and he needs a breakthrough. Memorial's nice. This would be better. Yeah, and and it's it's that very theme that has me looking at a particular guy um, who's just so overdue to jump up onto the big boy stage, and that's Tony Finau. Do you have any any feeling for Tony this week? I have bet him at sixty to one. That is my next play. So twenty eight <laughs> to one with Cantlay, sixty to one with Bullet Tooth Tony. I, I didn't even know that. I I didn't that folks might think that that was a setup. Um, but you know, the combination of narrative plus, you know, the, the place that he is in, in terms of the quality of, of his game. I mean, he's so overdue 
for this coming out party, this major stage, small M major, major stage, uh, kind of a, a you know, uh, coronation because he's been around the hoop for so long, um, including a Phoenix a few weeks ago, and all of the advanced <laughs> metric stuff loves him um, here. I don't, I don't recall you. You have the machine in front of you. What's his uh, experience at um, TPC Sawgrass like? He has gotten better every year. This is his fourth year. So he went miscut, miscut, 57th, 22nd last year. But when you just look at his overall strokes gain, like he was really bad in 2016. He was kind of bad and missed the cut in 2017. Made the cut, but he gained like a stroke and a half total. And then when he was 22nd last year, he gained almost six strokes total. Uh, and he gained a lot of it on the greens last year, which is not something he typically does. But the big thing with him recently, he played poorly at Riviera, but he made the cut. Then he missed the cut last week at API. But, he hit a bunch of balls in the water off the tee. Like his driving was really bad at Bay Hill, which is really atypical of his skill set. He's never lost strokes off the tee at Sawgrass. And even the years that he was bad, he's always gained off the tee. So I'm just chalking that up to an aberration. But even though he missed the cut last week at Bay Hill, he gained 5.2 strokes on approach. He and Stenson gained the most strokes per round on approach of any players in the field. They just happened to miss the cut because they kept hitting it into the water off the tee. But I think that's somewhat notable that if you can rein it back in and he's one of those bombers that doesn't have to hit driver off of every hole, he's going to improve his accuracy by hitting a driving iron or by hitting a hybrid off the tee. And if you can keep these irons off fuego, then watch out for Tony. Now, this is where the each way comes in. I played him at 60 to one with a top six each way because he's very likely to come in like fourth. Yeah, and and you get you know a little bit of a, a return on that. That's that's still great value because of the each way. I swear to God, the the U.S. books. This has to be a thing that happens in in 2020. I mean, it's just so dumb that we can't bet each way yet here. And I don't know what the explanation is. We might have to get Jeff Sherman on from Westgate, who sets the golf odds uh, there at Westgate, to explain to us why we're not have why we don't have each way yet. It, it can't be because the market doesn't doesn't want it. I'm, I'm dying for it for Christ's sakes. Well, and the big thing is it's actually like a terrible bet. So <laughs> like it's, it's really a taker. It, it's like playing insurance and blackjack, but like, so yes. you guys complain that you don't have each ways. I complain <laughs> that the British each ways are 10 places. Like I get six places. So if people don't know what an each way is, that means if I put $20 on Tony Finau at 60 to one and I play it with the each way, that means 10 of my money 10, 10 of my dollars is allocated to the 60 to one to win. And then the other $10 is allocated towards the each way. And it's different for each tournament. This week, the book that I use with the each ways is offering the top six places. So if Tony Finau finishes first, second, third, fourth, fifth, or sixth, I get one fourth of his outright odds. So I get 15 to one if he comes inside. So it's two separate bets. Normally over in Britain for an average tournament, they get the top eight places. This week for the players, I think they're paying top 10 places because normally over here, it's top five. The players is a bit nicer. They'll give you a top six. The masters, they might give you top eight. But over in Britain, it's that way every single week. So you're complaining you don't have it and I'm complaining it's not big enough. <laughs> well, another thing for us us to work on, and I want to make the, the point you just observed at the very outset, it's a terrible bet. Yes, of course it is. Betting any guy to win outright is a terrible bet. That's not the point. 
The point is to try and have a little bit of fun. You recognize that you're going to lose. That's that's what's going to happen when you make outright bets on on winners. But having it spread across a handful of places, the psychological comfort of it, it's stupid. I'm I'm confessing that, but the psychological comfort carries the day. Now I I have to put in my Maverick Driver pick of the week. All right, the Maverick Driver Pick of the Week by Callaway. Callaway knows you can't create new distance by doing the same old, same old. takes unconventional thinking to create something transformative, and that is what Callaway did with the new Maverick Driver. Flash-based technology is here, designed using artificial intelligence. Maverick is Callaway's fastest, most forgiving driver possible. I am gaming the Maverick Max, and what it's doing is maximizing distance and taking the Joe House dispersion and shrinking it down to something that makes my balls a little bit easier to find. Explore Maverick drivers at CallawayGolf.com. Pat Mayo, I have a new rule. Here's, here's my new rule. Anytime this player is available at plus odds to finish inside the top 20, I must play a full unit on this player. Can you guess who this player is? Probably not Rory, because you're not going to get plus money on that. Let me let me let me try to reverse engineer this now. So you say plus money top 20? That has to be the stipulation. Yes. Yep. That's my maybe, answer. Maybe it's a little too open-ended, but let's hear. I'm going to say Bryson. Okay, that's not bad. Or, we- and, you know, or, Bri- Webb, or Webb Simpson. So I'm thinking, I never bet on Webb Simpson. I haven't, that's another rule of mine. That's, <laughs> that's a, I, I'm an anti-Webb Simpson uh, allocation of capital play. Um, this guy currently leads the tour in cuts made, and he's never missed a cut since turning pro, so now you know who it is. Oh, it's my guy. Rory Morikawa. That's it. I mean, he's, That's exactly he's, right. he's so, I'm so afraid of him this week. Like, so one of the big things, like the, the difference between playing on DraftKings and playing in like outright betting is there's so much game theory that goes into the DraftKings game. There's a millionaire maker for $20. You can go put in your entry, pick six guys and try to win a million bucks on DraftKings this week. So I suggest people like go and do that. But Morikawa is shaping up to be the most popular player. And just based on what I've seen from the players championship, this is where it gets you. Like Tommy Fleetwood had the longest streak in the world until last week. And now it's Morikawa. Now he's the champ. People are talking about it now. This is probably the week he misses the cut. Maybe so. I just love, um, this is just a top 20 pick. I'm not picking him outright to, to, to win the tournament. You know, there, there is because he's, uh, so young. Um, you know, there was a question, an open question about how does he play the Florida places, but you know, uh, inside the top 10 last week that, that, that's, you know, pretty consistent, uh, across the, the, the line of, of, uh, performances that we've had out of him this year so when i can get him it's i saw him at plus 185 so almost two to one odds to finish inside the top 20 i'm just gonna do it i just you know it just feels like uh, a nice you need you need way. a better book I, i'm seeing it plus 250 what plus 250 yeah. oh man i yeah. i just should just move to canada I, everything everything that i want is is there except for it's not warm enough to play golf year round so that's my issue 
Well, you could move to like Vancouver. I think they get a good 10 months of golf if you really want to. But and the other thing about Canada, too, is you don't pay taxes on your gambling winnings. It's one money. Well, let me just I, I won't comment on whether or not I pay taxes on my gambling winnings. Here. <laughs> First of all, there aren't any gambling. So if the IRS is listening, I don't have any gambling winnings. So there's, there's yeah, no, there no winnings to, to investigate that. That's exactly right. Well, hold on. I thought you were going to say that your Maverick pick of the week was just going to be Maverick McNeely. <laughs> Although he's not, he's not playing, not so I guess it can't be this week. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I had him last week. I didn't give him out, but I had him in one of my lineups. Uh, he, he he played well at the uh, Honda, so I was like, "Hey, let's see if Maverick has a little streak in him." Missed the cut. That's okay. We 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 forgive Maverick. We love Maverick McNeely. He uh, he birdied the thirty fifth hole to get back to the cut line, and then he put in the drink on the thirty sixth hole and missed the cut. <laughs> that's a that's a real uh, cut sweat. So speaking of cut sweat, watch Patrick Mayo on the DraftKings YouTube. You, let, let, let me do that again. <laughs> speaking of making the cut, you can catch Mayo this week on a cut sweat show. Where can everybody find it, Mayo? DraftKings YouTube channel, uh, Friday, probably starting around 3.30. You can catch it on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash PME, or just on like, my Periscope, Periscope is connected to Twitter, so you can just watch it on Twitter if you want to, at the PME. I got three bombs for you before I get out of here, though. You ready for these? Let's hear them. I, I love bombs. We love bombs here. At, at We hit bombs with the Maverick hardware, so we're, we're all about the bombs here at Fairway Rolling. So I'm also doing a live chat noon Eastern on Wednesday as well on the same platforms if people want to tune in to get the full card, because I also bet Paul Casey at 60-1 to along with Finau. So Cantley. Casey, Finau, I'm in on those three. Beyond 100 to 1 because we see long shots win at this course from time to time. My guy, Brant Snedeker, 100 to 1. And you might be able to get him at 125 wow. if you find the right place. He is someone, we talk about like strokes game putting, like any player in this field could lead in strokes game putting this week. And then that leads people to say, well, putting doesn't matter. Putting does matter. But you know, when Webb gained 9.1 strokes to win here, when he lost on approaches two years ago, that is so atypical of anything happening, but any player in the field can gain nine strokes in a given week, but then they could just lose nine strokes. Snedeker is really weird in six of his past 11 events. He's gained at least four strokes putting, but he doesn't go deep into the negatives. It's like Justin Thomas will gain six, one tournament, lose six, one tournament. Patrick Reed and Brand Snedeker are really the two guys that either gain a bunch or like right around average. So that's really nice that he probably won't put himself out of this tournament. Plus he's one heritage. He's one Wyndham, two corollary courses, and he's lost in a playoff at the Sony open, which is another corollary course. So watch out for him. The other two, Ryan Palmer, 200 to one. That just reeks of hitting it into the water 800 times. But I played him with a top 10 at 10 to 1 as well. And the Todd father, Brendan Todd, 250 to 1. Oh, if you're wow. watching API, if you were watching API on the weekend, he was in the mix a little bit, but he plays again the short courses really well. Pete Dye courses really well. Bermuda grass courses really well. He's won on tour twice this year already. He hasn't missed a cut so far in 2020. And he's 250 to 1. Yeah, those. Those plays, Ryan Palmer and Brandon Todd, if anybody's been paying attention to the 2020 season, the wraparound season that started in September of 2019, both those guys um, had good performances, and Palmer played well uh, a couple times calendar year-wise here in um, uh, 2020, including you know the playoff, uh, or no, a near, a near playoff in, in Hawaii. He was right there on the leaderboard 
in Hawaii. Um, and he played pretty good at Riviera also, I think. So that's in Snedeker. Those are three like really prominent names. Speaking of guys who have won tournaments on the PGA tour, all available at a hundred to one or better odds outright Mayo dropping bombs as always. Thanks buddy. Yeah, I mean, Sony opened. Yeah, that's when Palmer tried to hit the three wood into the bunker and shanked it over the grandstands and missed the playoff. And then he he played really well at Tory the next week. It just he got the final group and played very poorly. And then he just all of a sudden rebounded at Honda two weeks ago. Like Honda is another one to look at. Like water in play, Bermuda greens, Florida course, winds in play, and it's not super long. Like this course is easier than both of the courses we saw last week, but it has more in common with PGA National than it does with Bay Hill just because of the length. So those shorter courses where anyone is in play, just kind of, that's why Fantasy National is so good. You can just highlight the the five courses you want to see and just who plays well on those ones. And then guys pop up and can't lay the best. <laughs> Well, and, 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 but look, we're trying to give value out here on fairway rolling, my man, you're always welcome. We appreciate you. This, this, uh, non-major, but extremely important and, and properly, uh, deep and strong field event. We're kicking off the real golf season officially this week. Pat Mayo. Thanks for coming on, buddy. Thanks for having me. All right, my thanks to Pat Mayo. That homie is welcome anytime. I hope y'all enjoyed it. We have our first PGA professional on the podcast this season in a second. It's Matt Wallace. I want to tell you before we jump over to Matt about one of the brands in the Callaway network, and that is Travis Matthew. Very excited to talk about Travis Matthew because I have a whole bunch of this stuff and I wear it nearly every single time I'm on the golf course. The Quater by Travis Matthew, C-U-A-T-E-R. It's a premium performance brand focused on creating versatile, comfortable footwear footwear and accessories. If you love what you've been seeing from this line by Travis Matthew, the Quater, then you're going to love their new additions. They have some stuff coming out in golf footwear one of these line of shoes is called the wild card and the other line of shoes and this is not a joke it's called the ringer whether you're just looking to show up and swing or you need something that will make you look like you know what you're doing you know even if your game says otherwise the new premium performance golf shoes by quater have something for everyone you're not sacrificing style there's useful technology that gets translated into premium performance products. Quater's delivering the technical elements you need while ensuring every style complements your look. This is the most important thing, my birdie buddies. As you know, you can't control what's going to happen on the golf course, but you can control how handsome you are going to look on the golf course. Get yourself into the Quater. Every style complements your look instead of this distracting from it if you're interested in giving a try first time customers can get 15 percent off their purchase when they visit www.quater.com that's www.cuatr.com 50 percent off the first purchase you got to go do this Power saving pals fairway rolling also brought to us by the FanDuel sportsbook which is now the official sportsbook of the ringer 
The Ringer is once again teaming up with FanDuel Sportsbook just in time for the Players' Championship. So let's take a look at some of FanDuel's Players' Championship bets. You heard some of these names that Mayo and I both like. Patrick Cantley currently available on FanDuel, 27-1. Dustin Johnson currently available on FanDuel, 29 to 1. Those are outright bets. Say goodbye to your money, but if you want to have a little action in the game, go ahead and do it. Those are great odds. That's great value. And of course, my Maverick pick of the week, Colin Morikawa, top 20, plus 185 on FanDuel Sportsbook right this second. You've heard the picks now. Obviously, I'm not promising that they are free money. FanDuel, on the other hand, does have some free money for you. If you've never used FanDuel Sportsbook before, you can get 25 bucks in free bets just by signing up with my promo code R-O-L-L-I-N. Promo code R-O-L-L-I-N. You get a $25 sign-up bonus. No deposit required. Remember, this FanDuel Sportsbook offer only available in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Indiana. But if you're not in one of those states, you can still play fantasy golf, obviously on the FanDuel Fantasy app to compete for real cash throughout the golf tournament. Here is the legalese, my birdie buddies. 21 plus, must be 21 or older, present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, or Indiana. The site credit is non-withdrawable and expires seven days after receipt. $10 minimum deposit required to withdraw. Any winnings terms apply. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER, G-A-M-B-L-E-R. If you're in Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. All right, my par-saving pals. Now on the tee, Matt Wallace. You are the first tour player on the show in 2020 and it seems very appropriate because this is your first year on pga tour as a full status pga tour member am i right about that that is correct boom boom happy, there we go happy to have my card yeah so um let's talk a little bit about that you uh have predominantly played on the european tour with four interna- international victories congratulations um what is your expectation for this year coming up in terms of number of events and how much time you plan to spend in the states and that kind of thing well obviously i started um the year a little bit behind um when the when the tour started the pga tour started because obviously finished the european tour in november in in dubai had a bit of time off and the pga tour has already started so um my first event on the PGA Tour would have been um, down in Mexico, and then I played last week in Honda, and then this week in the Arnold Palmer. So I'm a few events in, but I'm a long way behind um, when the tour actually started. So I'm going to be playing a few more, um, probably a, quite a few more up until the Open, so um, I can go home. Um, and then we'll see where we're at there. Hopefully I can either knock off a win, um, I'm not expecting anything from myself other than uh, work hard, um, try and put myself in position to win, and then we'll, we'll see what we can take from there. Yeah, I, I'm interested in somebody in like your shoes. Um, where are you staying? Do you have a place here in the States? 
Uh, I am renting a place in Jupiter. Um, Jupiter, sure. Last year, yeah, last year I um, I played in the Honda Classic and I love West Palm area with my girlfriend and we both loved it so much and we spoke to a few players and uh, it's like half the tour is down in, in, that, in that area but it's brilliant. It's great for us. Um, we've only been in there for about a month now and we're really enjoying it and it makes it a lot easier to travel especially for this Florida swing. Um, it's a lot easier to travel to these events than coming from coming from London. Well, and and all credit, you uh, made the pick the place that the girlfriend liked. So that's obviously exactly you've got to do that sometimes. That's it. Uh, wisdom beyond your years already. Uh, I want to ask you about um, you just finished the Arnold Palmer Invitational, a very respect, respectable top twenty-five finish, tied for for twenty-fourth after last year. You tied for sixth. Um, it looked impossible watching the golf <laughs> o- over the weekend. Um, what what was so hard uh, about Bay Hill over the weekend? Well, a lot of the um, a lot of the tee shots were crosswinds, um, and when the rough is thick, um, it's not like you can start it in the rough and 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 try and fade it onto the fairways or draw it onto the fairways, you know, and, and hold them. So if you were, if you weren't on the fairways, it was so difficult to hold the greens because the greens were so firm. And there's tons of water around there as well. So uh, you've got big numbers waiting to happen. Um, you've got firm greens. You've got lots of wind. You've, I mean, it was just, there was no, there's no let up as well. Um there's no stretch that you can get on a hot run and and carry that on to the hard holes. It was just it was just brutal. Every hole had its sort of challenge to it, and um, I think it was it was fun. I think it's fun sometimes for us as players to play something different like that. I think it's good yeah. for the viewers to watch. Um, and four under is such a respectable score. Um, I actually said to a few friends that walked around with me that if they played. And they're some. They're quite decent golfers. They're five handicappers, six handicappers. They'd be struggling to to break ninety, maybe even a hundred. You know, because it's just you need every single shot in the book. You need to draw, fade, low, high. You need short game of a magician. You need you need to not lose balls. You need to stay patient, and that's over four days of golf. Um, so it was very much a major style setup. And uh, Tyrrell was a worthy champion because he played fantastic. Yeah, so Tyrrell Hatton, your countryman from yeah. that that tour, if we can uh, quote yeah. our our, <laughs> our homie Paul Paul Azinger, you know, pulled it out. And and you know, one of the things that seemed kind of curious, it 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 looked like the Honda at PGA National was also playing in similar kind of at least weather conditions. Were there, is there, were there similarities between the way the two venues played? Honda had very little rough, but yeah, I'd say Honda is a lot of a, it's a, it's a longer course. And essentially I'd say there's a few harder holes at, at Honda. Um, I've been very, I've been fortunate enough now to play them both twice. And I'd say Honda always has that sort of, that hard challenge, you know it's going to be a difficult test, whereas Arnold Palmer last year wasn't as hard. But this year, um, I'd say Arnold Palmer was much harder than Honda. Um, And I can't tell you really why. Maybe the greens 
were a little bit trickier this year at Arnold Palmer, and that just makes a massive difference sometimes. The rough was a lot thicker at Arnold Palmer as well. It was um, it was some seriously juicy stuff. Do you have any sense? I know you are presently uh, in Ponte Vedra at uh, TPC Sawgrass getting ready for the week. Have you been able to check out the course at all? I haven't been out onto the course. I actually did some uh, driver testing this morning with Callaway. Uh, I wasn't happy with just just quite happy enough with where my driver was at last week. Um, obviously, signing with Callaway uh, has been a great a great thing for me, and I feel like my game's really trending in the right direction. It's just trying to maximise everything a part of my game. I know that my driving has been a huge asset to my my career so far. And it just hasn't been quite up to scratch. I feel like I'm I'm really there, and Callaway has done everything they can. And today was a really good day because I feel like I've finally got the drive that I know can help me uh, improve and help me compete um, with the world's best. And where better to do it than at the Players Championship this week? Yeah, and I, we're going to uh, uh, get to your your driver here in a second because you and Eric. Van Royen um, tested a few drivers at the beginning of the year, but I want to I want to ask you if you have any sense as to how TPC Sawgrass are you anticipating it playing as difficult as uh, Bay Hill or PGA National? Does it seem like you know all of these Florida courses for the combination of the wind um, and and the firm conditions and you know perhaps the rough at TPC? Um, do you do you think it's going to be as difficult as Bay Hill? Well, I've I've asked the question to some people who have played it today already, and um, the rough isn't up. The rough is is kind of like Honda. Um, okay. So similarities there. Uh, there's, I mean, obviously there's loads of water around TPC, so um, you've got opportunities for big numbers, which is always the case. Uh, I haven't looked at the weather report, but there's normally lots of wind. Um, I remember last year, I felt like last year was probably one of the easier years because it was relatively soft. Um, and the greens, I've, I hit some putts today, they're down at about 10, maybe 10 and a half on the stint meter. So that's quite a lot slower to what we've been putting on the last two weeks. Um, but I know what, this golf course and over the years what can happen to this golf course um, if if the sun comes out and if it firms up and um, they can get these greens, especially with how undulating they are, they can get them rolling at maybe 14, which is much faster than the last two weeks. So we'll have to um, take a rain check on, on that and let you know how that goes on th- from Thursday. Um, right. off, the, off, the, off the tees and stuff is, is going to be all the same. Uh, you can have some tough tee shots with how the wind how the wind picks up, um, but I'm expecting it to be uh, a fair course this week. I wouldn't say they'll um, take it to the extreme. I reckon uh, I reckon there'll be a, it'll be there'll, there'll be chances to make birdies and to show showcase our our attributes this week. Yeah, more than three or four guys finishing under par. Uh, likely, Probably, yeah, I'd say so. I'd say so. Yeah. You played the the players last year was your first time and you 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 tied for for thirtieth so that's that's pretty respectable showing for the first time you compete uh, competed in the tournament was there um, anything about TPC Sawgrass that you were surprised by I mean you know everybody that the famed ending sixteen seventeen eighteen yeah. in particular seventeen 
Um, yeah. Were you surprised by any of that? Well, there's two things I picked up from last year. One thing is it's the first time I've ever got nervous in a practice round uh, walking onto 17 because there was thousands of people on there and you know if you put it in the water they're going to chew you out. So that was the first time I've actually felt a little bit of nerve in a practice round. Um, and then last year I played in the group behind Tiger um, on the Sunday or Saturday. I can't remember which day it was. Uh, but the cheer uh, on one of the days, because I remember actually he, he he made a mess he made a mess up of of one hole one day I think it was, um, but it was seriously seriously loud. Uh, you don't you can't quite get the the sense of how loud it actually is off the TV when you're actually there, and um, it was crazy loud. So uh, yeah, those are the two things I picked last year yeah was that the first time you'd been that proximate to tiger in a tournament well i played with him in in the open for the first two days last year um so that that was close enough (laughs) yeah right right well that the open came after um the the yeah the open was after that so before that the the closest i got to him was a photo in mexico um (laughs) that i asked that i asked for because woods and wallace come uh, quite close in the locker room so I managed to stump up and ask for a for a picture. I didn't know if he probably thought I was a locker room guy or something, but um, yeah, after playing in the open, I think he knows who I am now. I well, I don't know. I I bet he knew who you were uh, in advance because well, those those victories on the European tour were pretty I- impressive. Yeah. I want to talk for a second a, a, about the European tour and this thing that you and Eric Van Royen you know, took on uh, at the beginning of the year on behalf of Callaway, you guys tried some drivers through the decades and yeah. the, you know, the, the European tour, this was in uh, Abu Dhabi, I believe. Yeah. Um, they outfitted you in, in some outfits that went with the era. So you played a driver from the early eighties, a driver from the mid nineties, a driver from 2006, a driver from 2010. And then the current, Maverick, um, h- how did how did you find hitting those old clubs? The persimmon, especially, just looks such a challenge. The persimmon was tough, but I loved it. Like um, the feel of it, even off the face, felt great. The only thing I would say is I wish we had the same balls as they used back then, because I know oh, the wow. ball flight is is different with that old Bellata ball or uh, the wound like the wound ball we were using sort of thing so the old Bellata ball would have a bit more spin that you could get that rainbow flight on you know the one that comes out low and then spins up um, but we just couldn't get it off the ground so um, with the modern day ball those those clubs don't really work um, right but I mean I had so much fun using them um, I remember I think my, my first ever driver was one of the big bursters and uh, so looking down at that brought some back some memories. And then moving into the, the modern day Maverick, um, you could just tell the the technology that's gone into these clubs nowadays where you put a smooth swing and you strike it out of the middle, the ball just flies off. So um, I'm living, we're living in a, in a lucky time where we don't have to use the persimmons per se. I'd definitely yeah. say the, the, the older school guys are, a little bit more talented with their hands than probably we are nowadays. 
Well, there is, you know, this this ongoing discussion with differing opinions around, you know, the the effects of technology, both in the uh, development of the golf ball as well as the equipment, and whether you know the the distance gains that have been realized over the last decade because of the improved technology is, you know, producing unexpected and, and, you know, disfavorable outcomes because, you know, the golf courses that you guys compete on, maybe, maybe some of the venues aren't um, as viable because of the distance and that sort of thing. Um, and I'm not going to ask you about that <laughs> because <laughs> I, I'll save that for when we're sitting together and we have two or three or 10 beers between us and yeah. we have an, an hour to get into all the iterations of it. I think the last two weeks is a pretty good example of, um, you know, how the, the, both of those venues are around 7,000 yards over 7,000 yards. But, you know, if, if the certain exogenous, uh, aspects of the course, the rough or the wind or, you know, the, the, the greens, you know, any of those things take on, you know, uh, uh, kind of cha- change in, in variable that the scores ne- necessarily ramp down. But in, in terms of, um, the, the, the thing that you referred to, which is, you know, the skill of previous generations of, of players playing that equipment, you certainly have an appreciation for that based on giving these things a try, right? Massively. Um, and with modern technology nowadays with TrackMan and getting numbers and spin rates and all that stuff, um, you literally had to, with visuals uh, back then, and then and then go and test it and and caddies had to use the wheel to get the the yardages on the or the golf course and stuff like that. And right. um, I kind of like that though. I like that old school. I think there should definitely be a few events where you can't you can't use trap man and you can't use lasers. You can't use yardage books. You've got to either make your own yardage books up or um, you know send your caddy out there to hit shots with a a baseball mitt on and and walk that distance out and see how far you're hitting it then. Uh, but yeah, I think back in the day, um, seeing how the ball flight used to move more, I reckon it was much harder back then to hit straight shots. Um, whereas nowadays, like I said before, if you can hit it out the middle of the club face and you can um, pass it relatively straight, the ball just goes so straight. It's... Um, it's quite scary and go through the wind as well sometimes. Um, that's what the difference I've found over here in Florida compared to home. Uh, we have the same wind speeds at home, but because it's so cold, the ball just goes absolutely nowhere and it also goes sideways. Whereas over here, with a little bit warmer temperature, the ball flight goes through the wind a lot a lot easier um, when you strike it. So a bigger appreciation for sure for um, that older generation when they were able to to play on these golf courses and um, shoot some low scores. I love what you just described as a potential, you know, suggestion. Have you have you gone to the European Tour? Because the European Tour is always innovating ahead of the PGA Tour. All due respect to the PGA <laughs> Tour, but the Euro, the idea of of kind of a throwback tournament, picking one event on the calendar and playing it under conditions from you know a generation ago or two generations ago have you talked to anybody about that it's a it's a damn great idea maybe maybe that's a a good shout um it sounds like it could it could it could work um but obviously you'd have to really look into the rules and and uh and simplify them and actually 
have them have them set out where you can't you can't basically cheat on them. Um, you've right. got to go back to using the wheel. You can't use your your lasers or anything like that to get those yardages in practice rounds or anything like that. Yeah, there there's a big contingency of American fans that would would love to see it. They they would die to see something like that. So let let we can work on that. Let let's keep keep uh, brainstorming on that. I think you're you're onto something there. Yeah. I um I'm wondering if there is any sentiment amongst the guys around the coronavirus and what guys are doing in terms of their plans going forward and what the sentiment is sort of boots on the ground right now on the tour. Well, I think for me, I was saying to my team this morning after seeing the the tennis in Indian Wells was was cancelled or postponed. Um, I think for me, I'm, I'm very lucky that uh, I have my card on on the PJ Tour that's allowing me to play at the moment. Um, I know the European Tour. I think I believe that they've 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 made the right decisions because. The main thing for everybody is is health, um, right? So especially going to to Kenya to to other events. I've spoken about this with Lee Westwood last week, and in, in the in the round that we had, um, it's unfortunate the the event in India, which I I won a couple of years back. Um, they've actually, I think they've stopped. The country has stopped, not not the tournament. The country has stopped allowing people from Italy from. Uh, China, South Korea into the country. So there's a couple players on the European tour that can't go to, to India to compete, which for me, uh, this is just m- my point of view. I don't think the European tour should allow uh, that event to count towards the race to Dubai because it's not the it's not the guys from Italy's fault that they were born in that country or they might not have been in that country for the last 14 days. Um because they've been playing around, they might have been in Dubai or somewhere else. Um, but I don't think it's fair that just because of where they were born or what nationality they are, that uh, they should be stopped from playing an event. Um, so maybe my, my idea would be it would just be a prize fund that the, the guys would play for, um, and they won't get one up on uh, being lucky enough that they're not born in that in one of the countries that are stopping people to play in. So. That's my point of view. I might be wrong. Um, it might it might get word out that uh, they might do that. I know the European Tour are very forthright in what they think uh, is fair, and um, it's just unfortunate uh, at the moment that a lot of sports um, around the world are being postponed, and uh, it's a serious it's a serious case going on at the moment. And right. I'm just fortunate at the moment that I can play on the PGA tour and uh, I love to play. So I, because I don't know what I'd be doing if I had seven weeks off. Um, right. I may be, I may be starting my own mini tour so I can get some, <laughs> some golfing. Or you could do it with, you could on, on your own mini tour, play with the old equipment and, and you set the rules. Exactly. Yeah. That's it. I'm going to let you go, but I have to ask you one last question before I let you go. You've been over to the States a handful of times do you have a favorite food item or or restaurant um, in your travels over here? Your your go to number one restaurant or or food item? It could be a fast food item or something. Okay, well I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you two. I'm gonna Great. tell you my my fast food one and my 
one if I was going to go out. So I went to the other day, I went to um, Capital Grill. Is that oh, yeah. quite well known? So yes. I went to Capital Grill the other week. That was really nice. Um, yes. Some really good wines up for grabs around there. And then my fast food, and it's normally on a Sunday when the NFL is on, but Buffalo Wild Wings is just a, is my <laughs> is my American go-to. I love it. You, well, well done. You're, you're officially here. You're, you're, you might as well, you know, you're, you're welcome to be on, on the PGA tour. Buffalo Wild Wings makes you, you know, uh, a native son. An honorary member. That's it. You've got it better, better than honorary. All right, Matt Wallace. Thank you. Thank you very much for, for the time today. Best of luck this week at the players. We'll be looking for you. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Talk to you again soon. All right, my friends, there we go. My thanks to Patrick Mayo and Matt Wallace. What a guy. I'm going to sprinkle a little on Matt Wallace this week. He's such a good dude. He's in good form. We can get great odds for him. Check out the FanDuel Sportsbook for some terrific odds on Matt Wallace. Let's all go ahead and do it. We're such a friend of the pod. We love Matt Wallace. We're going to be back Sunday evening because this is an important tournament with the best field in the world. So let's not waste time let's not tarry let's go ahead and jump on who the winner is sunday night we'll put out some accolades hopefully we're all putting a little bit of cash into the bank account until then my birdie buddies let's hit them straight up there This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.